Welcome to our Kiss Me, You Won't Regret It podcast, where we will talk all things marriage in a real, raw, and relevant manner. I'm your host, Grant Johnson. And I'm your other host, Joan Johnson. Laugh, reflect, and join in on our Christ-centered conversations. This is Kiss Me, You Won't Regret It. Welcome back, and we are happy to have you back here, and our sound should be back on par, and so we are looking forward to a good episode. We are excited to share more of our story today, and we hope that you guys have all had a great week. I know here where we are living in Alberta, we had some more restrictions put upon us, so there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and around, but we can have great joy in spite of everything that is going on around us. And so we are excited today to bring you some joy, some of our story, and some hopefully some insight into God's great goodness. Alrighty, how are you doing this morning, Grant? I am doing awesome, and I am so glad to be back with you. I'm with you every day, but I'm so glad to be back in, in this setting with you and talk. And talking with me, like we never talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are going to just kind of, we got a lot, lot to kind of get to today, and so we're going to start again with our... Um, question and answer time, which we're having a lot of fun with. And so I'm going to just get right to it. Okay. So our question to start with is, what is a favorite memory of a family tradition? That is a great question when I think of you, because I grew up with not very many family traditions, obviously, just with a single dad. But when I got married to you, all of a sudden, I brought these two kids in, but you started all these wonderful family traditions right from the beginning. And so I just sat and watched and went, wow, what is this? So it took me about five years to really appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, all the work that you, that goes into it. So the, ver- the thing that a uh, family tradition that I like the best comes from where we come from in BC, mm-hmm. uh, the pumpkin patch. Oh, love the pumpkin uh, patch. Every time you show me pictures of that pumpkin patch, and our, we had little kids. We had, I mm-hmm. think, six kids under 12 at that time. And I look at all the pictures, and they're picking up pumpkins. And it was just that fall smell, that mm-hmm. fall, all the fall colors, mm-hmm. the atmosphere. It was fairly close to our home. It was just a wonderful, the whole thing about it just still gives me a warm fuzzy mm-hmm. today. Me too. And then we got to Alberta, and... The tradition kind of ended there because we didn't. I don't think we knew where well, the pumpkin patch yeah, was. Not, they just weren't as they weren't as developed as where we had come from. And I think now there's pumpkin patches, but I've when I see pictures of them, like from friends on Facebook, they weren't as they weren't as extravagant as the ones that we were able to yeah. be at. Like they, they all it was like a fall festival, and yeah. it just had pumpkin patches, and it was so fun. I used to say to the kids, "You you're only allowed to pick the only, the pumpkin you pick. You have to be able to carry it." So, you know, it's kind of limited. And yeah, we had one of our boys, part. one of our boys would always every year just had this massive pumpkin that he, he was able to carry like a couple yeah. of feet and then he'd stop. But yeah, so that was always. Was those those are the best pictures when you see this little guy and the yeah. pumpkin is t- twice his size and he's trying to carry he's it. Trying. He says, I'm getting this to the car. <laughs> and and you look at the pictures and it's just that we were blessed with that setting totally. and that particular it, pumpkin yeah, patch. And that, you know, that was one of the things I I agree. I missed. We moved here, and then the pumpkin patch became the grocery store, which didn't yeah, exactly. quite the same. And we had to start. Effect. And so, what about you? Hmm. What you've got? You come from. Mm-hmm. You come from so much tradition and so much heritage. Yeah. How do you pick 
yeah. particular How do one. I pick one? Well, yeah. you know what? This is not going to surprise you, probably. But my family tradition things I think center around food. And I know that sounds what like, a shock. Yeah, I know that, and it sounds pretty vague. But for me, it was it was the the smells. You know how smells are such a great memory. Um, they bring back such great memories. But and it was just the coziness of 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 things being baked and things being cooked and and just the warmth that I knew also that I knew in that time we, we were going to have family over we were going to have friends over so it was just it was it was the tradition of just and then the food traditions that match the seasons obviously kind of thing so yeah. so when I think of family traditions it is and I know it sounds funny because of course we know how much I enjoy food but it just it's not only the eating of the food it just it was just it was such a it was such a bringing together of family and friends and every, every, so every year when it comes to the things that we do, Thanksgiving or whatnot, I'm always like, I, I cook like my mom did and I try to just conjure yeah. up those feelings and memories. So yeah, like, and, and every season we had something fantastic. Yeah. So, and I get yeah. it. I get there's, it's not just about food. No. I've said, of course I've said you're a good eater before, but <laughs> it goes much deeper than that. Yeah. It, it's, there's so many other things, so many social relationships, yes. so many bonds mm-hmm. created mm-hmm. through food mm-hmm. or at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it's very important yeah. for us to sit around with our kids at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah. So the second question, that was a great answer, Joni. Second question, you're, are you going to hand the yeah, question here, to me? Yeah, here you go. Okay, here you just okay thank you. Yeah. Second question, oh, this is probably going to be better for me than you. Oh. What is your favorite TV show? Oh, I can see how it might be better for you. However, however, it's challenging, I think, for both of us. Let's admit, we're both, my name is Joan, and I am a TV junkie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. we both that's been a weakness we I think. T- TV addicts, oh. addicts anonymous there must be a group somewhere. Somewhere, but uh yeah, so that's a tough one through the years. Oh my goodness. So you know we talked we referred to Seinfeld earlier in the podcast if you podcasts ago and of course that is a go-to that is one that honestly if you've never watched it it is timeless like we always say it it is timeless like it is what 20 years past that yeah. it's been even finished and episodes are relevant These almost f- 25 years anyway that that's a whole nother thing that was i would say that's probably up there with our favorite my favorite show but i was good i just was thinking when i think back to family traditions and past and stuff like that i'm going to also go with it which ties into my crush would be happy days but only yeah. because it again yeah. brings out those memories, and if we we've had a couple times we get lucky, we, there'll be a channel that will play like an old, um, yeah, an oldies channel. Oldies channel? We, somehow we have it, and, and not, it plays a bunch of happy. Not often though, but when yeah, it does, it's over. when it does, it just is like oh, it just it just takes me back. So yeah. tough, tough call because TV is is sadly has been a huge part of my life. Yeah, but so I'm going to say happy days for now, yeah, and that goes back to to also to how you felt back then. It gives you that right. warm oh, fuzzy. Yeah. Same thing as the yeah. first answer about food. Yeah, it's just how you feel around and the smells mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. as soon as you hear a sound or yeah. uh, or the song theme song yeah. for happy days yeah. you get that totally right? takes me back yeah. tuesday night sitting in the family room yeah and i'm the same way obviously in the first episode i think i said i have to uh get into the bible more and stop my tv addiction it's it's less a tv addiction i just i love sports i love the the broadcasting part but i don't i do have i don't have a favorite show no you yeah, don't that's gonna surprise i don't have well no it doesn't no. surprise you no it doesn't surprise no me. i don't have a favorite show but let's again here let's be honest and real it's not just sports you do watch a few yes i do shows. i do it used to be really bad but now it's it's gone it's kind of cut down to certain particular topics okay. what i will say is i don't have a favorite show but now in my age and looking back and getting a little bit more you know experience in life i like 
documentaries. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Inspiring documentaries. Mm -hmm. I also mentioned a couple episodes back that we talked about Roger Federer, who is the best people who are working at their craft, Mm -hmm. or you see somebody who's got to the top of the mountain, but you forget how many failures they're standing on to get to that top of the mountain. So those types of inspiring documentaries, it could go from anywhere from sports Mm -hmm. to the other day we watched a documentary on, or a little show on, on Colonel Sanders. Yes. And his inspiring story Mm -hmm. that he, life doesn't end after 50 or 60. Right. He didn't start becoming, you know, so-called, you know, whatever you call successful. Mm -hmm. He didn't start becoming successful until, well, he was a senior citizen. So that, and then you hear about that story. And so, the documentary channel is is a big deal for me. Uh, okay. These inspiring stories, but it has to okay. be a proper, appropriate documentary that is going to lift me up and inspire me in some way. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so gosh, I hate to admit this, but that was deeper than my answer too. Uh, so uh, on the deepness uh, battle, uh, uh, she constantly says, which one's deeper? Uh, she says, I'm shallow, she's deep. It is now, I think, either 10 or 11 days. We're not keeping score anymore. That's getting old news. I am. But that was a deep answer. And and often if he's watching a documentary, especially if I'm, if it's bedtime um, and I want to kind of, I'm always like, Hey, put something funny on. I don't want to watch something serious, but so anyway, that's, yeah. So good answer, Grant. That was a good one. Okay. And uh, just a quick one. We do, we, yeah, we do have uh, TV does cause a little bit of a row in our relationship sometimes Mm -hmm. when I'm watching something that you don't like, like, we do not have the same taste anymore on TV just to throw that in. Yeah. Well, I, and I don't watch it as much as you do. So in the seventies, we did, but not anymore. Okay, pass on that TV question. Those are those are good questions. Okay, yep. good. Okay, so now again, we're as we transition into kind of catching up where we where we uh, left off in our last podcast. So we've talked about our beginnings. We talked about how Grant and I initially met and went through our kind of school days. And and as we ended in our last podcast, uh, we kind of left a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um, Grant kind of said in the tail end there how his post high school was he had ended it saying that it was tragic and he wanted to kind of rectify that because he didn't really like that choice of words but before we get into that i just i'll just today's gonna be a bit me bit more of me kind of interviewing and talking to grant about what happened post high school for him for myself i i was just trying to think of a word and i i, I said after high school i kind of flatlined in a way that i like i, I said grew up in the christian home um, had a very stable home life. And after high school, I went to Bible college and then I came back from Bible college and I worked a little bit. And then I went to Christian university and um, all on a mission to find a Christian husband. No, just kidding. I am a little deeper than that. But of course that is... Congratulations. That was a little bit of um, the joke through the years. But yeah, so so like I said, I, I my life kind of stayed relatively stable um yeah relatively stable so we're not going to spend too much time on my post post high school days because there's a lot for us to unpack here for grant and so i want to just go back grant to what you ended with last week and you had said that it was a tragic tale and how you wanted to kind of change that word from tragic and what were you what were you going to say yeah what what i was thinking when i said tragic was uh i wanted to stop I thought about it the last week or so. It's not tragic in the sense that nobody died. Mm-hmm. And when people, uh, you have someone pass away or, or you lose somebody in your life, that's that's tragic. Yes. But, yeah, but um, it, it was tragic in a way because my father did not die and fall and pass away, but I lost my father. Yeah. And I had lost my mother right around that time uh, in the same way, a few years earlier, in the same way. They didn't pass away but I lost them. Mm-hmm. 
and they were gone. And I lost them for a long time. And as you know, we didn't find them again for a long time. Mm-hmm. So that that's tragic to me because if you lose your father, whether he's passed away or whether he's not in your life, that's so. I guess it it, but it's less tragic. It's more of a it's it's a cautionary tale, right? Because what do you what do you do? How does a young seventeen year old ma- male take? Uh, what do you do when you lose mm-hmm. your dad? How do you move forward? Right. How do you move forward? Mm-hmm. So, and we and also we kind of forgot as you retell your story and you think through your life, um, listeners, you, things kind of come back to you as you kind of are intentional and focused on on remembering things in your life. And there, and there was a period of time, Grant, you had said just before all this happened that you had been reconnected with a church after, you know, finding Jesus at 12 years old and, yep. and then kind of not having any, any support system on that. But then at about 17 or so early in that year, you yeah. actually had an opportunity to be connected with yeah, and I and and it was an odd way because I didn't know that the rest of my family, my aunt and uncle, the people who raised me when I was younger, I didn't know that they were they were Christ followers at yeah. that time. Yeah, and 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 they and they invited me to church, or it was either Bible. I think Bible. I think it was church first, and then the pastor Jim past, that was pastoring the church mm-hmm. brought me to his Bible study, and then it continued on. <laughs> Um, so I was, I was brought into this church by my aunt and uncle, and I think I was trying to get over the shock of that. Mm. And it was, it was, it was really heartwarming and I was about 17. Yeah. Yep. In, that's interesting that you didn't know that. I mean, it, it, it kind of speaks to you, like you were in kind of in your own world. You weren't really connecting with your oh, family because yeah. you were living in your own stuff. Yeah. And world. it goes to show, uh, you know, hats off to them and, and God bless them for continuing to pursue me. Yeah. And continuing to help me, I think they they could tell. I couldn't tell at the mm-hmm. time. They could tell that I was falling off the cliff again. Right. Yeah. God bless yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was, and then that was when you were seventeen, and then of course all this stuff happened with your dad, and and then life again took a bit of another turn for you. And what did you do exa- immediately following high school? What did you do for that first little bit in the summer, that first few weeks following high school? What did you pursue? Well, I pursued some. I needed some more discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the best way to get discipline even today? <laughs> you join the military. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I joined the military and it was just everything against my grain. Like there was nothing in me. And I really joined because I had a friend, a so-called friend, just a guy that I met. He's not a long-term friend, but just a guy that I met at that time who I think tried out for the soccer team in high school or something. And I met him and we, we, we connected and, and, and he was, he was so fit for the military and he was in the youth cadets and all these things. That was just so not in my world at that time. But I'm thinking, okay, I don't have a home. I don't know where, really where to go. I'm, I'm living at my grandma's house. I can't stay here too long. I need some discipline. I can't even get up in the morning and make my bed or have any discipline to do any work. And, and I was just so lazy. So I, I took this guy up on his offer, my buddy, who was the same age. And uh, so we did all the application process mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to do the physical and all the things that you guys imagine you know, that military young kids go through at cadets. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're doing all that stuff and preparing and, and it's all set up to go to with the basic training, which was looking back on it now, the, one of the best things in that two months that happened to me. And at the time it was hard, very, very and, hard. And, and it- complete opposite from what you'd come and from. And just not in my personality. And, yeah. and, and you're not the greatest person to bow to authority. So yeah, yeah. well, yeah, that's a kind, that's a, that's a, that's a very sweet wifely way of putting it. Very nice. Very nice love. Okay. And, and that, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's authority and, uh, and 
not being able to struggling with that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, so and it might have been good for you, but I imagine at the same time it would have been very hard. Yeah. So following that, so you had that I think was just for the summer and you made some good money, which was probably helpful kind of get your yeah, kick the, the, started. The, a few yeah, things. yeah, the money was fantastic for yeah. a seventeen year old kid in nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Also, it was the first time, little did I know, of a, a that I ever came out of my comfort zone. Oh, okay. And and looking you, back now you can and see And you that know happens. how important that yeah. Yeah. statement's going to be moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was in the summer. And then go uh, tell us kind of what ha- proceeded, like obviously not by month by month, but you know, so then at that point you came back and you ma- got together with a couple of friends and you guys moved into an yeah. apartment. Then, so I got, I, the problem, the problem was, of course, I still didn't have a, a real ho- place to stay after mm-hmm. I came out of the military for in the summer of 85. Uh, I came out, I could have moved on, but I graduated from the basic training and passed all that. But then I was going to go back to my 80 year old grandparents house yeah. and I, I didn't want to be that type of burden. So I ha- obviously I had uh, a couple of friends, um, since grade two and I still have them as friends today. Uh, and they were looking to move out of their house, okay. uh, my friend and his brother. And so I thought, what, what timing? I remember sitting at a Dairy Queen restaurant. Let's go get a place together. Fine I was they, they weren't super excited, but I was through the roof. <laughs> I got a place to be with my best buddies, you know, three three bachelors living in their own place. It was all cool. <laughs> I was thinking of anything but the Lord, unfortunately. And uh, so we moved in uh, to a little basement suite in 85 or 86. And, uh, and it, it went super well because we we're just... You know, I love those boys. You guys got along well. Yeah. So you're just doing your own thing, living your life. I'm trying, feeling, yeah. I think probably feeling like you were getting things on track because they had been so off track. Yeah. However, yeah. again, from a godly perspective, you were still very far off track from yeah. what you'd, from your first exposure to Christ, from your second sort of exposure, yeah. you now had gone again that's backwards. A, again, that's for you. That, that's a great question and a great way for you to put it. I felt like I was on track. So in this natural world, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing fantastic, you know. But little did I know I was moving further and further and further away from the Lord mm-hmm. and further off track. Mm-hmm. The more I thought I was on track, the further off track I was going. Right. Yeah. That was a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So then, and, and then working and doing your thing and, and Expo 86, we're not going to get too much into that because that's a whole other story, but that was a Loved great opportunity. It. You guys had opportunity to work there, so it's yeah. fantastic. And then... I think after that, things and, go, go tell us what, yeah, kind of what happened. Uh, and, and then, then um, you know, at that time after X86, and uh, once we started getting into about a year and a half of living together with my buds and X86 and into 1987, all of a sudden I got a letter from my pastor. Oh. Uh, the pastor that my aunt and uncle, the church that... They brought me back to church at 17, mm-hmm. but because I was living what I thought was on track after the army, but I was so off track, they're saying, I got a letter from my pastor saying, I want you to come back to my, our church. I want you to come back to the Lord mm. at that time, the one that I went to at 17. And I had such a bad attitude. I, I wrote him back a mean letter. I just mm. can't even believe I did that today. Mm. I wrote him back a mean letter and a bunch of weird quotes like absence makes the heart grow fonder and what do you how, how dare you say that that I don't love the Lord and hmm. it was just so much attitude and it ties into something that and that type of thing stays with you your whole life hmm. I still remember what he wrote I still remember what I wrote hmm. I apologize later on in life for him but we had a just recently had a sermon from from our pastor at our mm-hmm. church and um, the problem that I had there's a there's a something that 
Bill, when I, the man that introduced me to Jesus when I was 12, something that he said, hmm. he said that life would never be really normal if you follow Jesus, mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. And if you follow Jesus in this world, you're going to have trouble. Mm-hmm. That state, I, I, that statement goes on to something better, but mm-hmm. I, I ignored that part. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. And I had so much trouble in my life up until then with mm. the broken home and the single dad and something very rare in the 1960s. I felt like I was a complete alien on this earth compared to way, the way other people were living in norm, normalcy. You know, whether the marriage was good or bad, they were, everybody was staying together. Right. And so I never even lived in a regular house. And so there was so much trouble, obviously, in my life that if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have more trouble. <laughs> so your answer then to having no more trouble or to having no more difficulties was to just completely turn your back and do your own thing, go your own way. And how did that go? Yes, it was to go my own way. And that's the question I ask. How did it go? It went obviously horribly wrong. Mm. Um, By not staying on track with the Lord, you know, not even consulting the Lord, I began to make choices that would ultimately affect several others for generations. And, and little did, did I know at the time that my little decision, off-track decision then, would affect people so many years later. And I think that's, we, we all forget that. So just out of my teens, I became a father. And then just over a year after that, I became a father again. I wasn't walking with the Lord. And my two children from that union now are still 33, 34, 35 years later mm-hmm. are still paying the price. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing that they asked for. Right. And it, it, for the four people involved in that union, the, the parents and the two kids, it was hard on all of us, you know, teenage parents. Mm-hmm. And I get emotional about it because to this day, it's very, very difficult to connect with, with those two children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on me. And it's hard to be, mm. you know, that's hard to accept and it's hard to, to, um, to move on, but, uh, you have to, as a dad and as a, as a spiritual leader and as a husband, and as a man, mm. I have to, uh, I can't blame anybody else, mm-hmm. right? I can't blame anybody else. It's me. It's on me. That's what God calls me to be. Mm-hmm. So, so it, you mean really, Grant, you, we call it a cautionary tale because it's a lesson of what happens when we go off the path yeah. with the Lord. But but there is some tragedy. Yeah. Maybe. So all that being said, I would probably take back what I said earlier, that it wasn't a tragedy. Because two things happened. I lost my dad mm-hmm. and mm, the two children from two of my oldest children mm-hmm. are still suffering today from what their earthly father, the journey that he was taking and the decisions he was making Mm -hmm. 35 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I I had no idea. I didn't want to be found. I didn't want to be found out. Mm -hmm. And today I know that what it means to repent, you know, and that repent is just an acceptance of being found. Um, We're not supposed to struggle. We're not supposed to fight just accept being found by the Lord, submit to God, and then let him carry and bring you back. And that's the part that I didn't know. Right. I didn't know. I said, there's no way I can get back. I'm not, I'm going to run away from God. Mm-hmm. I was angry at him. I ran away from him. I did not want to be found out by anybody, let alone God. Mm. 
And But I didn't know, and that's the message we want to get through today, I didn't know that he was coming after me, I'm in the wrong place, and he's going to carry me back. And all I had to do was accept being found. Mm -hmm. That's all I had to do. And that is a very difficult place for all of us to be, to, to accept being found, to accept being found out, like you were saying, and the stuff that was going on in your life was stuff that you weren't really ready to be found on and to be found out on. And as we close today, we are going to just reflect into the book of Isaiah for two different verses. And these verses connect to Grant's story in terms of how he'd come to the place where he'd, he as a young child, he had um, made that decision to follow the Lord. And when we make that decision, as Isaiah 49, 16 tells us, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. And the way to get your name on God's hands is to believe and, and follow his son, Jesus. And then the second verse that I want to read from Isaiah, again, just reminds us that when God holds us and when we are in his hands and he is forever before us, in Isaiah 41, verse 10, it says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, have we let go of God's hand? God holds you up with his righteous hand. God's hand is most excellent. God's hand never misleads, never betrays, and God's hand never grows tired. It is always victorious, and it's the hand of complete blessing. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. I'm Grant. And I'm Joan. Until next time. Joni, kiss me. You won't regret it.